Welcome in to DTC. Victory Tuesday is here for the fourth week in a row. Big news. The Washington football team is in the lead of the NFC East. You can call it the NFC Least. We'll get into that in a little bit. But before we talk about that, there's a bigger story to be covered, and that is the deuce of Lamar Jackson. FP, <laughs> I, know, I know you've been in sports your whole entire life. I've been in sports your whole, my whole entire life. This has happened to us. It's a lock. It's happened to everybody. It has happened to everybody. FP, share some insights on this. Yeah, I mean, nature calls nature no, 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 calls. No. You're hesitant there. You're hesitant. It no, happened so, to you. It has happened to you. Let me, I know let me that get for into, a fact. No, let me, let me get into this. It's, it's absolutely happened to me. My, my question is, like, how is your timing so off that nature calls halfway through the fourth quarter? Like, if it's going to happen to you, you can, like, maybe take care of it at halftime, right? Or something like that. But if I your know, timing is off to the point where you're middle of fourth quarter, like that must have meant like you ate something or you did something right before the game. Like, no, no. This this is just a pure fact of it's not one log. This is a <laughs> this is a mass exodus of the body that was happening. It has happened. I, I'm telling you, I, pl- uh, so I play like, soccer like in the cold. When I got when I got uh, bubble guts for for a good like six days straight. <laughs> <laughs> is this uh, is this a symptom of COVID? Isn't diarrhea a symptom of COVID? I think it is. You should go get your antibody tests. <laughs> I should definitely. Lamar should. I mean, he should get another test. Well, yeah, of course, ESPN spins it as oh, it could be a possible uh, side effect of him having COVID because he was not asymptomatic and you know whatever. I play soccer in the cold yeah. in the winter. All those things. You have a routine, right? You have a routine. You go to the bathroom before you go. You leave the house, you usually you're good. Yeah. Every once in a while, when it's cold, when it's rainy, when you know things like that happen, you're like, oh, I just went to the bathroom, but oh, I gotta go again. And then, then the game starts, and you you feel okay. You're like, you know, I'm gonna get past this. Then you take a break, and you're like, ooh, it's back. And then all of a sudden, there's no point in return. You gotta run. And that's, I mean, look, I mean, that's hey. understandable, but. After watching that game, right, we were saying, hey, man, the Browns might make it to the Super Bowl. Lamar was saying that in a completely different way. <laughs> I mean, what I don't understand was he was in there for a while. So, like, did he pull out his phone, start scrolling through Twitter, you know, texting his mom? Like, that was quite a while. Checking that his own fantasy just like a <laughs> Damn, I need to throw a touchdown when I get out there. <laughs> yeah, the, the videos are hilarious. I mean, that was definitely a brownie butt run out of the locker room. Like, I don't think dude got proper wipes. I mean, you got the the Tushy Bidet company reaching out, being like, we got you. We're going to install some in the locker rooms. Like, Yeah, that's embarrassing. Cleveland might just have, like, one-ply toilet paper, and it took him a while. He had I mean, to I, set up the, the bird's imagine... nest on the toilet seat. <laughs> you, can't, you can't just pull off those football pants just like you can regular pants. You got to, like, squeeze and turn and... And I mean, it depends, right? Like, is he rocking them. a girdle and a cup and all that stuff? Or is, I mean, there's a lot of players out there that just kind of rock the bare minimum, especially ones that try to be more mobile. But, I mean, you at least got to take your shoulder pads off, right? Because you can't turn and wipe if you got shoulder pads on. <laughs> I don't know. It depends on how you wipe. 
Uh, anyway, difficult conversation for a different that's time. Enough talk. That's enough. Let's get back into the game. Now that all our football teams are gone. <laughs> I'm not sure we had any, but we'll we'll continue on. It was, I would say, an impressive win. Why? Because Alex left the game, and anytime Alex is not in the game, and the the football team wins, it's impressive to me because he can run the offense. And we've seen that the other quarterbacks cannot run the offense. And we saw that again. Impressive by the offense not turning the ball over, although it was very close. And the defense scoring 14 points. That's really what stood out to me is that without Alex, we pretty much cannot score points. And we cannot move the ball. It's going to be all defense and special teams, which could be a factor in this Sunday's game. What stood out to you? I mean, what what really stood out to me was just, I feel like every week we're like, this is like Chase's coming out party. And yet every week after that, every game after that, he just goes more and more crazy and just shuts up everybody that said he was a bust as the second overall pick. Like how can people, there was people saying that Chase Young was a bad pick at second overall. And it's just astonishing to me. Those people that, don't know football, and those yeah. people are dumb. So it's those just are just the Twitter. Me. I mean, we're seeing comparisons of, like, the fumble recovery compared to, like, Sean Taylor's fumble recovery. We're seeing, like, just actual, like, heart, like, and and just, like, this tenacity that he brings to the defense as a whole. And he's just going – like, he's making – he he definitely needs to get like defensive rookie of the year. He definitely needs to get like defensive player of the week. He definitely needs to get like all the accolades that come with what he's doing in his rookie season. His rookie season. <laughs> like he's supposed to just get that much scarier the next few seasons. And like how do you become like wh- how much like is I need to ask like a Rams fan, like, is this, is this what we saw from Aaron Donald? Like his first year, like, was he this game changing from his first year? Like, is this, it's just amazing to me that we actually landed a player like this. Yeah, absolutely. What I fear is that us as fans are going to now look at Chase as every week he's got to be a game changer. And when he has a good game, but he's not a game changer, are we going to then criticize him and say, oh, well, you know, he didn't score this week or he didn't cause a fumble or he didn't, you know, sack the quarterback six times? No, but I mean, if if you're really watching the defense, even if Chase has a quote unquote quiet game, it's the same way Terry's having quiet games, right? It's because they're commanding respect from well, the other side of the ball. Well, he was triple teamed a couple yeah, weeks ago. Exactly. I mean, we saw that on, on tape. So if he has a quiet game, I guarantee you, you're going to see. Montez Sweat have a huge game. Deron Payne have a huge game. Somebody else is just gonna like show up. Tim Settles are gonna show up. They're just it's if he's quiet, somebody else is blowing up. And it's just it all stems from him. And it all stems from like proper coaching. I wanna pivot on uh off the defense line and talk about the secondary here. I, I saw a hot take earlier this week that said Chase Young, absolutely defensive player of the year. There's another defensive player rookie defensive player of the year that could that could be a, a candidate right they're not going to overtake chase but cam curl i mean a seventh round pick to be playing as a starting safety in the nfl being this impactful week in and week out 
is absolutely incredible. I mean, we've had we've had the flashes of of a star safety like um, Kaishan Jarrett a few weeks a few years ago, you know, kind of was that. But I just right, feel the like the false hope damn, of Ron Landry. Yeah, I mean, he was okay for a couple of years, but just the guy who comes out of nowhere and is really impactful on this defense. I don't think we've seen that from another player, um, you know, forever, right? No, I mean, previous regime, your seventh-round pick was Trey Quinn, and he is known for one touchdown catch on a Super Bowl on a on a Thanksgiving game against the Cowboys, where he where he does the scorn dance or whatever, like from the office. But the 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 real thing that you have to realize is. Losing Landon Collins is essentially a blessing in disguise because, like, I feel like the defense as a whole, and I'm not saying this is directly correlated to to, to Curl, but I'm saying, like, the defense as a whole almost got elevated when Landon went out. Not to knock out Landon Collins or anything, but somehow, some way, like, the secondary got shored up. Like, the safety play definitely improved. I mean, even DeShazer Everett, like, everyone just kind of elevated when Landon went out and maybe that's because they're like, Oh damn, we lost like one of the captains of the defense. We off the step up, or maybe it was just they're better players and they're, they're doing a much better job than what Landon Collins is doing, which we had our, our, our issues with, with Landon Collins earlier in the year. Maybe it's just a scheme fit. Maybe Landon doesn't fit the, the JDR scheme as well yeah, as, you know, definitely the shades are ever certainly does. And, and Cam Curl and, you even see Jeremy Reeves fitting into the defense pretty nicely. Yep. So one thing we talked about earlier this week, um, me and you personally, is the opportunity for this defense or for this team to really be Super Bowl caliber, right? The defense, I, I think, is there, right? This is a Super Bowl caliber defense, that, at least in the way that they're playing now. The offense is not quite there yet. Um, and kind of looking forward is it you know is the window of opportunity now is is the next three years our opportunity to make it back to the super bowl yeah i mean it's you definitely can't waste all the pieces that we put on our defense right all that draft capital that got invested into the defense you can't waste it and i mean a lot of the commentators and a lot of like the the sport writers like journalists or whatever during like before the Niners game, we're making correlations between the team that we currently have and the team that the Niners had when they went to the Super Bowl, right? Because they had a stout defense, lots of draft capital invested, and then they go out, they get a high round pick invested into Bosa, right? To, to shore up their edge rushing. And all of a sudden that defense is so good. It can make up for any offense inefficiencies, right? And, Granted, Garoppolo and that offense and Kittle, like that 49ers defense or offense that went to the Super Bowl was significantly better than what we're putting on the field now. But I think the thing people are starting to realize is if we can just get a mistake-free offense, it doesn't have to be a high-scoring, like electrifying offense. If we could just get a mistake-free offense, that defense will keep you in games and it has shown the ability to just take over games, which we've never had before. I mean, the last time we've had like a top 10 ranked defense was like 2002, right? Like 
we are now looking at a defense that can't not just keep us in the games, but can just completely control the game, take it over, like make up for anything that the offense can or can't do. Yeah, absolutely. And, and not to knock on the offense, because if you actually look at the stats, the last six games, the Washington offense ranks um, top 10 in offense. Um, and, and that's really since Alex has come in, right? So we see that Alex can run this system really to perfection, but more so to mistake-free football, get the open guy the ball, get the playmakers the ball, and let them do their thing. And what's concerning is, you know, obviously Alex had the, the calf injury, um, tightness, soreness, whatever it is, whatever you want to call it. I, I think, you know, we don't know the severity of that injury, and I don't think we're going to even know about that until potentially Thursday. Tomorrow's, uh, you know, we got some snow in the forecast, so none of the reporters are going to be at, at practice. Um, so we won't really know. We won't get, you know, eyes on Alex until really Thursday. And I'm, I and, mean, Ron, Ron saying that he would have put Alex back in had we needed him against the Niners. To me, that's just, that just shows you, like, I don't think Alex won't be ready for Seattle. I think it was abundance of caution. It was the same as the injured leg. Like, let's just look, if, if we need you, we got you, but let's just see if the defense and Dwayne can handle it. They did. And I think a week's full worth of rest, again, back to Alex's like football IQ, he doesn't need the reps. He doesn't need the practice. So if he just rests all week, goes into film, studies what Seattle's going to put on the field, he'll be fine. And I'm comforted because Ron, he's not he's not like a bullshitter, right? Like if he says I would have put Alex back in, then that means he could have gone the calf isn't really that bad. We're just being cautious, which again is something brand new to this organization as a whole, like caution. Yeah. But you also got to, got to imagine that there was, you know, an unwritten agreement between Alex and the organization that, you know, we're going to be cautious about your leg, no matter what, if you get a, you know, a pinky, your pinky on that leg hurts, we're going to hold you out because, you know, obviously your life is more important than a football game. Absolutely. So you got to think that, that kind of played into it as well. And yeah, I'm I mean, sure I'm sure Alex is, is not dumb, right? Alex probably came back to Washington, maybe even flew down to, you know, his army medical center in Texas or whatever and, and got all the, the, you know, the professional, um, you know, evaluators to look at his leg and, you know, tell him exactly what's going on, you know? Right. So and I mean, if you look at his body language that are going to be look at like at Alex, if you look to Alex's body language on the sideline, like he didn't look worried. He didn't look in pain. He didn't look upset. He looked like he knew like, yep, this is exactly what we knew what was going to happen. If something was tight, if something was hurting, they're going to pull me. I'm going to rest. Worst case scenario, emergency, I'll go in. But you know what? I'm like, he seemed okay. Maybe a little annoyed he was pulled out, but like he seemed okay with just sitting on the sideline resting up he he wasn't wincing he wasn't in pain nothing like that yeah, and he was and pacing think, up and down the sideline right he was standing the whole time like when my calf hurts i'm not gonna stand i want to sit that's just yeah. me but i'm fat and overweight so but the other thing is um you know we, we don't really know what what was going on through his head maybe he's at some point he, he must have been concerned a little bit right this is the leg that almost got amputated all those types of things and that's got to start playing into his into his mind and maybe it was just, um, this is my second game in five days. You know, I'm 
35 plus years old or, you know, 33, whatever he is. Um, and, and maybe it's just over time, the fatigue on, on his body is starting to settle in. Yeah, maybe he needed a, the day and a off. late flight and because yeah, they said they, they flew to San Francisco, they flew to Arizona like on Saturday instead of typically they fly on Friday. Like he could have just been like cabin well. pressure from the airplane or something, right? Like something just wasn't right. But I mean, this well, does... you, you can tell from the beginning of the game, he, he wasn't right, right? Absolutely. He threw like a 20 yard pass to the sideline and it looked like it almost, to be honest, it reminded me of Peyton Manning in his last year with you know, kind of just his arm strength not being there, but obviously with Alex, it's not arm strength, but you know, your calf in in your body needs to, you know, it all works together. So, I mean, it's any, anything that's like slightly uncomfortable, it's going to pull your concentration. And that's essentially what we saw from him before. And his strength. Yeah. And it's not necessarily just a mind game is it's, you know, physically. Yeah. You couldn't get the ball downfield. Yeah. And, and you saw that, um, which is really a horrible game because if you think about it, Antonio Gibson not being there, so not being able to, you know, feed the backfield and mm-hmm. having to stretch the ball downfield a little bit, which you saw they actually tried to do quite right. a bit early on with Robert Foster, that that deep ball. But, but they this, just tried that. This does but, raise two talking points, right? Like one, Dwayne came in and like he was probably riding emotions very high coming back on the field after the season he had. He started out all right. Like, his first drive was okay. Everything was fine. And then some of the, the Dwayne Haskin football field issues showed up, right? Like, just some, some bad decision-making or just, like, a little horrible bit of nerves. Footwork. Huh? Footwork. His footwork yeah, was horrible exactly. again. I mean, he was throwing off, you know, not planting his feet, not, not you know, settling down. Um, now, granted, like, you, to- you were saying – uh who was it on uh, NBC? Um, Trevor Maddich. Maddich, yeah. He was saying, like, Haskins actually did throw a good game and, and got the ball, like, low and away and, and places where he needed it to be to to have a safe offensive series without the mistakes. And, I mean, that alone is showing a lot of growth in Dwayne Haskins, right? Like, that alone shows, like, he listened to something during practice or he listened to some sort of coaching advice where it's like look if you're gonna make this pass you make it this way can't risk any mistakes and it, it he's i think he is growing as a quarterback but now to talking point number two the question rises of this defense the window that we're currently in and that we don't want to waste what do you do next year what do you do with your 2021 draft what do you do with the free agency market? What do you do with Alex? Do you sit on, on Dwayne next year? Like, what needs to happen? And me personally, like, I don't want Dwayne to be the backup or to be the off-season presumptive starter, but I, I don't know what you do, right? Like, you would assume Alex, if he's good to go, he's going to be the guy, but you have to have somebody ready on that bench with a higher ceiling than what do I, the, than what Haskins has showed us so far. Well, let me ask you. I mean, there's there was abundance of quarterbacks available this this past offseason, right? Cam Newton, Teddy Bridgewater, Philip Rivers, just some of the, some of the seasoned veterans, right? And you see what like Philip Rivers is doing with Indianapolis. You know, it was just they had a stellar defense. They needed a quarterback who can move the ball. And then 
now they're putting up you know 44 points against the Raiders. They're putting up they're putting up massive numbers. And Philip Rivers is still Philip Rivers. I mean he's he's 37 I, I believe, but he's able to execute the offense. And I think from a Washington perspective, I believe that's what you should be looking for next season. Go and get a quarterback of the future. Let him sit. Bring in a veteran, or maybe it's Alex. Um, and 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 try to try to win that way, right? Maybe a Matt Stafford's available. Maybe a um, a Kirk Cousins Ooh. can come back. No, I'll, I'll no. take him back. No, what I did hear, I did hear something that kind of piqued my interest was the Panthers. I guess are in a position where they can like do a small trade up or they may land um, one of the stud QBs that are supposedly coming out this year, which could open the door to Teddy two gloves being like expendable. And he is somebody that I would take like over a Cam Newton or over like the, the, the contract of like a Matt Ryan or a Matthew Stafford. I would take somebody like that where it's like, he can ball, he can be mobile, which you sort of need, but he'll, he'll just be a, a cheap veteran presence that has shown that he has football IQ and doesn't necessarily make sloppy mistakes. Like that to me is like yeah. a move I would make. Yeah, I, I would be okay with that. Um, personally, I'd I'd go for like a Matt Stafford because I think he can stretch the field. I think you can be super explosive with someone like that. Um, although he does come with a lot of picks, but you know, um, with a with a stellar defense and an offense that can put up points, I think you can give away, you know, a pick or two a game and, yeah. and still be okay. I mean, I mean, obviously you don't want that, but yeah, I mean, I, I can see that. But I also, I, I think first and foremost, though, you you got to see where Alex is, right? Where's where's his mental at? Okay, you made your comeback, you did awesome. Are you gonna hang up the cleats? Are you ready to go again? Um, because maybe if he's ready to go again, maybe that's, you know, you just keep Alex around for another year or two. I mean, and that would be preferred, especially because like you can tell Scott Turner has gotten a lot more comfortable with his play calling and his offensive schemes with Alex under center. And I I think it's actually the opposite. I think Alex is so intelligent that he can pick up Scott Turner's play calling place, you know, the, the scheme and execute it very well. I don't, I don't think it's Scott. You don't think Scott Alex. No, I, I think, think Scott's I think, adjusting a little bit. I mean, you didn't see any of the trickery with Dwayne or, or Kyle Allen. I think right. Scott Turner is showing more confidence. No, but he's showing more confidence in Alex, which is essentially elevating his play call or, or making him a little bit more gutsy with his play call. Yeah, and, and I see that. But I'm what I'm saying is that Alex is just so intelligent that he can pick up anybody's scheme and – and execute it well, right? Um, he's just a seasoned veteran who's been in the league, who knows, you know, he's a, what, what, I think he was supposed to go to Harvard, but they now have football programs. And point is, he's super intelligent and he can play the game. Um, I, I think those are all questions for, you know, hopefully it's December 15th, hopefully February 2nd or whatever, we can start talking <laughs> about that. Hopefully, um, hopefully. Let's focus in on this week where mm-hmm. uh, we now have a lead in the NFC East. The Giants are playing the Bear, the Browns, who right. come off uh, an upsetting you know, Monday night loss. Amazing I'm sure they're, they're going to be fired up on right. um, Sunday. 
And then Seattle comes here, which we all hate to see every time they come. Eh, I, not it's so just, much this year. Not so uh, much. It's still to me. It's still Seattle, and to me, I hate playing them no matter what. No matter. Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, they they've been a thorn in our side since then. quarterback, and and I'll still be scared of them. Yeah. Um. So with that with that being said, is this a week where you say, okay, Gibson, you know, have another week to rest. Alex, have another week to rest. Let's see what we can do with Dwayne and see if we can just pull off an upset and win. Or knowing that 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 more than likely the the Giants are going to lose to the Browns, or do you kind of go out and say, you know, it's do or die. If you're 50% AG, we'll take you. If you're, you know, 75% Alex, we'll take you. So if if our defense wasn't playing at the level that they're currently playing at, and that allows Russell Wilson uh, and DK Metcalf um, and Lockett and whoever to just turn this into a shootout, then yeah, I think you hurry back AG and you hurry back Alex. But with that being said, the defense is playing really well. And Seattle's defense, it's still Seattle's defense, but they have been ranked, I'll say ranked, towards the bottom of the league this year, allowing a lot of yards, allowing like a lot of points, and just they're they're injured. They're not Legion of Boom at all anymore. And on top of that, the interior line of Seattle, the O-line, is porous. And this, our front seven, should have a field day against them. Now, Russ is Russ, right? He'll escape the pocket. He'll run. He'll do all of that. I have faith in DeShazer and Curl and that secondary to sort of play more of a contained game with Russell. And you hope that DK and, and Lockett don't burn us down the field. There's no blown coverage and they just go for like 80-yard bombs. But I think our front seven will get enough pressure that we can sort of mess with Russell Wilson. Essentially do what the Giants did to them, right? Like in your face, keep everything in front attack the short passes because he doesn't have enough time to set and do one of those um, moon ball passes or something where he drops it in perfectly after 40 yards. So I like the matchup. And I think, obviously, if Alex and AG are ready, awesome. I, I like our matchup even more. But even without them, I think on paper we should be able to compete with the Seahawks. And you should watch – the, the game tape from the Giants-Seahawks game and see what that defense did. Just like how when we beat the Steelers, you have Montez Sweat running off the field and Chase Young being like, we saw something on film. We figured it out. I'm assuming, I'm, I'm 100% positive they're doing the same thing with that Giants-Seattle game tape. And they're looking for cues and they're looking for something. And I think this defense will take over the game. So let's look at defensive rankings. Um, I have them pulled up here. So the Washington is overall sixth. They're second in points, fourth in sacks, ninth in interceptions, and 19th in turnovers. The Seahawks are... So they're total in 18th, 10th in points, 7th in sacks, 12th in turnovers. 
and uh, sorry, 12th in interceptions, 13th in turnovers. So they're middle of the road. I guess 18th is kind of on the tail end of of that. Um, so and that probably that probably changed recently. They're probably lower and and clawed their way back up to middle of the road. Yeah, uh, the way that I see it is if if Gibson is ready to go, I would be more so okay with letting Alex sit for a week and having the game plan of hey we're gonna run down your throats. Um, Haskins is gonna play a you know a, a short game hopefully mistake free. And, you know, just kind of play conservative on offense and then let defense kind of take it over. Because we've seen Seattle, you know, play those six to three games or, you know, nine to 12 or whatever it is. And maybe you can get one of those kind of squeak that out. I'd be I'd be more so OK with that than, um, you know, than really just having Alex and, and no Gibson or um, none, none of either of them. Because I don't know. I'm also OK with with letting Alex and Gibson rest. And just banking on the Giants losing. But this is the NFL. Even given Sunday, I could certainly see the Giants beating the Browns. Although, probably unlikely. But yeah. just with our luck, right? Mm-hmm. With our luck, I can happening. see it happening. My question is, what kind of defensive game plan does JDR have? And is he going to go blitz-happy? on this team and on that week O-line, or is he going to do essentially what we did with the Steelers, where it was like, just our down four linemen will get the pressure, and we'll keep everybody back, everybody ready for Russ doing Russ things, right? And I think, I think, I have a feeling it's going to be a blitz-happy defense. We'll see. I mean, Kind of looking back at, at running quarterbacks that we faced this year, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, they've kind of had good games on, you know, good good runs on us. So I think containing Russ is going to be it's going to be tough. I mean, it always is, but even more so this week. I could see it going either way, to be honest. I mean, it's going to be I a mean, toss up. We when we played them on Monday Night Football, I think he ran for like 122 yards against us or something crazy like that. Like. He destroyed us. Granted, that was a significantly crappier defense, but it's the Seahawks, right? It's just one of those teams that that always gives us trouble, and we always have to face in the playoffs. So, right, but I mean that's that's also like this season as a whole has been interesting because like the fan base in particular is stuck in the middle between previous regime, previous seasons of just complete crap. And what we're actually seeing on the field with proper coaching and actual like halftime adjustments and like technique being taught and like all this stuff. Like, I don't know how to feel against a team like the Seahawks that has always crushed us because we don't have like we have like what, like Morgan Moses and like five other players that were on the same team the last time we played the Seahawks like. So that like in the locker room, I don't think they care that it's the Seahawks. I don't think they're like, oh man, we never beat the Seahawks. Like I don't think that's anywhere in the locker room. No, it doesn't even cross their mind. Yeah, and I mean even but today, I, like Julie Donaldson's like, today's a day off. There's 30 people in the weight room, 20 people getting treatment. Like the parking lot's full. She's like, I've never seen that before. Like that's what winning does. And and to see that like the week we play Seattle, like. It's been a month of victory. Like, as a player, you must be, like, riding 
high. Like you must be so excited to come in and play, so excited to study, so excited to excited to like look at film. And then you have Ron Rivera on top of all of that being like, calm down, guys. Like it's still Russell, it's still like XYZ and like kind of keeping our like our swag in check, right? Our confidence in check. Yeah, I mean, as a fan of this team, you cannot ask for anything more. Uh, a, a win streak, a coach preaching uh, humility, you know, it, it just seems like all the stars are, are lining up for us, and it's really exciting to see. Well, they say, um, like, anytime Washington has a chance to make the playoffs, it usually comes on a hot streak where you rent, where you win out. Like, that's just kind of been the franchise's history, right? Yeah, and but you just talked again, about throwing all again, that history out the window. Again, I was going to say, you're torn because it's <laughs> like, which history is stronger? Always losing to the Seahawks. Not 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 just losing to the Seahawks. Actually, no. Always you know having what? your playoff hopes crushed by the Seahawks. It's always you know playoff hopes that the Seahawks crush. I, I remember this in 2015 with uh, Kirk Cousins when we kind of went on that run. We had um, It was just like this. We started a run kind of, I think, before Thanksgiving. I think the first or second week in December, we lost to, I forget who it was, but we lost one game that we should have easily won. And then it was, for us as fans, riding high, riding high, oh my gosh, this is, you know, we're, we're going to miss it. And then, you know, close out the season with like three wins or whatever and make it to the playoffs. And then... That was the year we beat the Packers, right? We didn't beat the Packers. We were beating the If the game ended at halftime, we would have beat the Packers. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers came back in the second half. And I think it was like a, a three-score game at the end of the game. Either so way. Play play Homer, though. Assume you win. Assume the Giants lose. Right? Who knows what Jalen Hurts is going to do in the Eagles, and they upset the Saints and blah, blah, blah. Let's, let's assume that the Cowboys and the Eagles are just too far out right now, two games back or whatever. We've had this conversation via text a lot. Are you afraid of any NFC team, especially especially if we beat Seattle on Sunday? If we beat Seattle on Sunday, what team in the NFC scares you? I don't remember if we talked about this, about this on the pod last week or if this was a private conversation we had, but I named off almost every NFC team, and I said, yep, I'm scared of them, yep, I'm scared of them. It was like the Saints, the Packers, the Rams, all these teams that I was scared of. I was, I was even scared of the Bucks. But after well, but, beating the Niners, after beating the Steelers, if we beat the Seahawks, I'm and not knowing that the Eagles, and knowing that the Eagles beat the Saints, like wh- how can why, you? Why not us? Exactly. Why not us? Yeah. Why not us? And I, I will mean, say this: I think, I think right now, like wild card playoff scenarios, somehow, like with some voodoo win loss whatever mechanism there's a way that we could meet the bucks right there's a way that we could meet tom brady and the bucks and to me i would love that matchup i would love to because what's the what's the key to defeating tom brady getting his face sure. given pressure i would love what do we to do see, very well pressure yeah i would love to see 43 year old 44 year old whatever he is tom brady with chase young running him down and sweat swatting his balls down and just kind of like getting in Tom Brady's face and like oh my god if you if you get a playoff win against Tom Brady like coach of the year Ron Rivera instantly 
I think he gets coach of the year no matter what, just because of all he's gone through. New team, COVID, you know, instability at quarterback, and then, you know, bringing Alex back, all, all those types of things, and then his cancer treatment. I mean, he's he's definitely got my coach of the year vote um, if I had one. I mean, this may be an offseason full of a lot of superlatives for this team. Coach of the year, comeback player of the year, defensive player of the year, like – we may just be chock full of hey, rookie a of lot the year, of SBO Antonio Gibson, eh. offensive rookie of the year. Why not? Maybe. Who else? I mean, he was. Wasn't he? Wasn't he? Uh, he was at least close to leading the league in rushing, or in total yards, all-purpose yards. No, but you got like Justin Jefferson doing like amazing things in like Minnesota and stuff like that. Yeah, like, but, but it's Minnesota. So I mean, just don't count. <laughs> doesn't count <laughs> because of Kirk. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. This is this is super exciting to me. I a think month it's gonna... of victories. It's just like ESPN is all of a sudden a better channel to watch, right? Like Joe hates ESPN and how woke they are. I love it right now. Give me all the ESPN. Give me all the Stephen A. Smith I can get, right? Like I love it. Give me every Pro Football Talk article, every ESPN article, Sports Illustrated article, Bleacher Report. I'm reading them all. Like inject that straight into my veins because it's been a month of victory. And I'm like I don't remember the last. It's like it was 2012. Really, is the last time I was this excited. I love it. I love it. I'm so excited for Sunday. It's it's way too far away. I wish it was. I wish it was now. I wish it was one o'clock on Sunday right now. Oh my god, waiting for the four o'clock game for the Niners. It was, was brutal. It was especially because the so one o'clock games kind of sucked. Yeah, that too. And it, and more so because I was losing in fantasy. That's, yeah, how, how's that? You're, you're, you and I are now exactly the same place, and I've had a, I'm three and ten or whatever. I can't believe I went on this massive run to lose Antonio Gibson right before the playoffs as, as my bell cow running back, and to have Zeke put up four points. What a douche! To all the listeners out there, there's an, another funny thing. LP was in a pick'em league at the start of the year, and he lost <laughs> week one. <laughs> Because he chose the Jaguars to lose, and their only victory of the year was a victory over the Colts week one. And it's, that sucks. It's I mean, hilarious. it was a hundred dollar pick'em league. I was so excited. I'm like, this is a lock. Jay Gruden is not gonna win week one. Especially it was the Colts, right? And and it was I think all the analytics said that it was like a ninety plus percent chance that the Colts were gonna win, and I lost in week one. It sucked. <laughs> yeah, losing losing to fantasy sucks. Losing like, yeah, it just sucks. But you know what? But Having your team win while you're losing at fantasy overshadows all. Overshadows of that. all. Hail to the football team! This Hail has to been the fun. football team! I FP. honestly, you got to keep the name at this point. You got to keep the name. That's all I'm saying. I mean, it's on a sign outside of Ashburn. I, I think it's permanent. I like it. I like it. We are out.